Hello and welcome to Trivial Arguments. This is episode three. Uh, we'll do some trivia. We'll get into some arguments. Um, I'm Lenny. I'm here with Matt, who is the best man at my wedding. I'll get that out of the way now. That, uh, that way I don't have to ever bring it up again. Uh, say hello to going, uh, thousands of fans. Yeah. Hello, hundreds of fans. It might be thousands by now. Um, the, the, oh, is it by now? Sorry, yeah. I, the I sympathy we might have pointed in like, "Oh, Lenny's with his best man." We, this probably is a, uh, you know, the hottest episode so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my dad. So I, so I do know other people other than my dad. I'd like to point that out because um, a lot of people were saying that I didn't, specifically my dad. So <laughs> I was like, "Do you need me to constantly save your podcast?" And I was like, uh, "No." <laughs> I would enjoy it if you were on it, though. Let's see here. So we'll get into, we'll talk about uh, Cubs opening day, talk about the White Sox. Um, first and foremost, um, Matt, how did you feel about the White Sox? I know they went one and three against the Angels, but. Um, I am doing my absolute, I'm doing my absolute best to not put too much stock into the first four games of the season. It's I'm doing the, the exact opposite. <laughs> it's very tough. It's, it's, it's a hundred percent the difference between a team with expectations and a team without expectations. So being a White Sox fan, it's like we've been living in this no man's land for way too long. And it's always just like, oh yeah, it's a game. It doesn't matter. And now it's like World Series aspirations and every game is magnified plus. So it's like every game is magnified because of the World Series expectations. And I just think that every game is magnified on opening weekend anyways. The opening series is like you're, all this buildup spring training is the longest freaking thing in the world and then now it's time for regular season baseball everybody's watching so everything's magnified times 10 and then when your team has world series aspirations you just times that by 10 and it's i'm doing my absolute best to not put too much stock into it yeah well it's especially hard to put stock in like if the team has a good spring training then it's like oh spring training matters only if you're doing good otherwise spring training doesn't matter and the Cubs had a fairly good uh, spring training. I think the White Sox were pretty middle of the road, but again, it was spring training. So nothing's really to be expected from it. And then, you know, the first couple of games, um, the Cubs, both Cubs and White Sox lost their um, opener. Uh, you guys were on the road. We were home. And I mean, it was, it was hard to, you know, you lose that first one. And I was like, oh, is this how it's going to be for the rest of, you know, the season? And then you kind of have to shake it off because it's like, well, it's one freaking game and they're playing 162 again. So, I mean... And, the, and the, the Angels are supposed to be, you know, the favorites to win the AL West. So you guys were actually playing, you know, a team that probably is going to be competitive. I mean, we were playing Pittsburgh. So probably hard to actually, you know, evaluate the team in four games when they're actually playing a contender. And you guys lost Eloy, you know, like what is that, like a week before uh, the season started. And now Tim Anderson has a hamstring injury. And I'm not sure how much depth you guys have at outfield and shortstop, but I mean, that's already two injuries that are, you know, in the first couple of days of the season. So, I mean, it's, yeah. So the, the injury thing, it's, it's, it feels early and obviously the Eli one's a big one, but the, I think depth wise, it's, this is in my opinion, a, a fairly deep team. And if you would have asked when, so Eloy got hurt, obviously. And if you would have asked me then, where's the area that 
the White Sox can afford to lose the most. Not that I want them to lose anything, but where's the depth? And the depth is definitely offense. Like White Sox are a powerhouse offensive team. Eloy's not giving you anything on defense anyways. So really what you're losing is that bat in the middle of the order. Right. And that's, that's coming to be, that's a big blow now that, especially this first series when these four games, when the White Sox are struggling to score. And it just, it just feels like there's that part missing in the middle of the lineup. Jose Abreu might not have the protection that he would if Eloy was behind him. You know, those kind of little things that if you would have asked me, where can they afford to lose? It definitely was the offense. But now watching this, it makes me think it's, I'm hoping it's just like a little wind out of the sails. Like, I mean, everybody made fun of and rightfully so the memorial service they held for Eloy hanging his well, That was the first thing. Yeah, I tweeted and I was like, you know, this man's alive, right? Even the, I forget what the White Sox tweet was. Maybe you can look that up. The White Sox tweet about, it's like forever, like forever in our hearts or something like that. Like it yeah. very much sounded. The whole like Twitter chain was like, wait, isn't he just like injured? <laughs> right. And so, yeah, it's like, I'm hoping there's just a little wind out of the sails from that because he will, I mean, he's, he's a loved guy in the team. I think everybody knows he's just, there's, he has a huge personality. I think it's hard not to like the guy. I think it's even hard for Cubs fans who have to watch him play to be like, I like normally be like, Oh, I don't like this guy. He was supposed to be a Cub. Now he's not. And I don't want to see him do well. Cause that just means the trade was even worse for us. But I think that's even hard. Maybe you can answer that question as a Cubs fan, but I personally think it's hard not to root for Eloy Menace. Yeah, I mean, there's always been those, those like guys on the White Sox where it's like, you know, you hate to watch them succeed, but you also like the like Jose Abreu, like he had, you know, 60 RBIs last year in 60 games. It's hard to root against him. I obviously didn't like when he was playing us, but I mean, he's one of those guys that it's like, okay, like I can appreciate what you're doing on that side, but when you come over here and you do it against us, I'm not a big fan of it. I think Eloy's very personable. Um, you know, I definitely liked when he was in the Cub organization and I was looking up videos of him 19 crushing balls into car windows and, you know, it was getting hyped up and then they traded him. So, I mean, I was always doesn't like that. the high mom. Yeah, well, that, well, that's what I mean. It's just one of those things where it's like I don't like him because he's not here, but I also do like him because of who he is and the way he plays. And, you know, it's a constant struggle where I have to not care about him, but I also have to care about him because <laughs> he's a good person. <laughs> yeah. And that's so like circling back the whole, not worrying too much like that, just talking about the opener, it was, it like shook out exactly how White Sox fans would want it to. It's like, it's obviously ACE versus ACE. Well, Giolito, I think had like nine strikeouts. I mean, he was, you know. he, he was he was dealing his his changeup in the first in the like first few innings was just like who's gonna hit it it's filthy yeah. and so when your when your ace is going good like that's what you want and what the the other strength of the White Sox is our bullpen right we probably have top three bullpen in baseball if not the top bullpen in baseball so Giolito gets a quality start then we bring in our our bullpen. Aaron Bummer, one of the elite bullpen arms in the games, got his turbo his turbo sinker that like nobody can hit, right. and he doesn't pitch poorly, but two errors in the inning, and then we get we blow a lead in the eighth. So everything was scripted out perfectly for 
that White Sox victory. It's like, oh, our ace d- dominates. We're score- we scored enough runs. This bullpen's supposed to shut it out. So that was like a bigger blow. It's just like, oh, wait, are we overhyping this bullpen that's supposedly, supposedly the best bullpen in baseball? Right. So it's like I had to like take a step back. And the whole series, it's like, I think we, we blew two leads in the eighth inning in four games. Like that's, and we're leaving the league in errors. Right. So that's like not, not a good thing. And Eli's not even out there. Supposedly the, the worst defender, right? And your best defender had a Jose Canseco moment uh, a day or two ago. Yes, he, yes, he uh, did. Jose Canseco so. tweeted at the, you know, at the video and was like, been there. <laughs> Obviously, Jose's went over the wall for a home run, but I mean. Yeah, that was. In case you were wondering, that, that, that said, like, with uh, us tonight and always. That was the under tweet. <laughs> <laughs> In our hearts forever. <laughs> Elo's probably watching right. on TV like, what the hell? <laughs> I'm, yeah, I, it's, uh. The, the defense is a little scary as well. And I'm, I'm like I said, I'm hoping it's just like this, the series, obviously the series against the, the Mariners will be just as good of a test. That's a team on the rise. Yeah. Solid. So is like, we're got to catch the ball. Was it, was it hit the ball, catch the ball, throw the ball? What are the, you know, <laughs> we're, we're not doing fundamental baseball. <laughs> yeah. We're not, we're not catching it right now. And yeah. yeah. So, it's it's a little alarming but i'm trying my best to just like not put too much stock into it and that's the yeah that's that's real that's really what it is because i i I don't think the injury thing is going to be that big of an issue i think we'll learn to play without eloy i mean he it's a a five to six month injury scheduled to come back august september so it doesn't mean we're going to lose him we could get that offended if i said it's probably going to be like a Kyle Schwarber situation where he comes back as a playoff hero or are you not ready to hear that yet? I mean, uh, you're, you're talking to a White Sox fan who wants his team to win the world series. And if <laughs> Kyle Schwarber who like had what he bat like 400 in the world series. Yeah. I'll, yeah. yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'm not, I'm not offended by, cause if, if I'm comparing it, I, that means my team has a world series, right. Or at least we're in the world series. If, if that's the comparison, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. So the White Sox are, I think Vegas has them at 90 and a half wins. How many games do you think differential is that losing Eloy? Do you think, do you still think they're close to 90 or like how many actual games do you think that like the White Sox will lose because Eloy is not in the lineup? I took the over in the, for the season, you know, put a couple units on it. I was pretty confident. It was before the Eloy injury. Well, the half is what was throwing me because it was 90 and a half. And it's like, I can see him winning 90, but it's that half that was really like bugging me. So it's so, like, they only win 90, but they don't win 91. Then it's brutal. I, I, as weird as this sounds, I think losing him before the season starts. What's better? Is, it's, it feels better because if we were fighting to, so, okay, what's Andrew Vaughn going to be? Nobody knows. Billy Hamilton. We know what he is. And, yeah. Very mediocre. Wish he had a higher on base percentage. But I mean, if you get him on base, and you know, you can he exactly. can run around the bases. But the problem is, he doesn't really get on base. But yeah, so he's going to bring solid defense. And and so, if this happened in the middle of the season, what happens when Andrew Vaughn is struggling, and now he's forced to play left field? 
in the middle of the season and now he's struggling and he's taking on a new position. So then he's just adding more to a rookie, like those kind of things that we're not going to have to deal with that or, or, or trading away some prospect at the deadline. I can't, I mean, I'm trying to even think who the next person up would be on the trade block for the White Sox, but trading somebody away because now we need to fill this left field position. I think now we have a chance to just plug and play everybody's starting fresh if then in the middle of the season left field is still an issue then we can make a move and we're not forced to that's kind of how I feel it's so it's a little bit better and I really think when Adam Engel comes back that's that's going to be a big boost Adam Engel hit close to 300 last year I can't remember off the top of my head and I know it's only 60 games I know he was he didn't play 60 he was in a platoon system right but he also had a solid spring. There's one, he was leading the league in home runs at some, the Cactus League in home runs at some point. He was the White Sox leader. I, I think I'm not one of these people that's like, Adam Engel can do it, put Adam Engel. And he's, you know, I, I think he's a serviceable baseball player. I, his, his, obviously his glove is great. I think he's, he plays a gold glove, whatever outfield position he, he's, there i think he's capable of that it's the bat everybody's question but for the last two years he's been swinging the bat pretty good so i i think when he comes back he's out, he just out with a hamstring right now he should be coming back sooner rather than later and that might that might feel a little bit better that andrew vaughn doesn't have to be out there billy hamilton doesn't have to be out there we can use them i so right now it, it happened twice where Andrew Vaughn was in left field and Billy Hamilton came in as a late inning defensive replacement, which feels, that feels right. I know Vaughn's struggling a little bit at the plate right now. Yeah. But I feel like there's more options. I mean, shit, at some point we're going to have to put uh, Mercedes. He's going to have to. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's fighting his way into the everyday lineup right now. Something tells me he'd be a solid left fielder just because he wants to keep swinging the bat. I mean, it's probably something to, you know, it's not a mistake to try to figure out where he fits into the lineup every day, if not for DH. I mean, they're tried Vaughn in left field, you know, might as well give Mercedes a chance because he's hitting the way he's hitting. They have to find somewhere for him. I, I actually, I don't hate that he would be our DH though. And it doesn't even have to be our everyday DH because him, I, I kind of am more on board with the, the 23 year old rookie DH like that doesn't feel like the best option in Vaughn just DHing. I, I want him to play the position. I want, I don't want him to, because DH can be a lonely place when you're slumping. Right. And right. I don't want, I, who, and I, I just don't want to put too much on Vaughn, even though he looks like he can handle it as far as spring training. And he's never taken a, he's never taken an at bat above single A until he's in the big leagues like that's a big jump and i think there is going to be somewhat of an adjustment i just i'm i don't i don't necessarily think that we should be putting everything on him so having mercedes dh who is clearly somebody who can handle i mean he's had probably like 2600 at bats in the minor leagues yeah he's he's always been able to hit is what they say and he was fighting for a spot last spring and then obviously everything happened with covid and the season kind of went crazy so he didn't end up playing up but he had a crazy good spring again 
Like we're carrying three catchers. I don't know how much of a catcher he actually is. He feels more like an emergency catcher, if I'm being totally honest. Right. But I don't know. It's, I, I, I think I like the option at DH more than left field. I think I'd rather see Vaughn in left field. And I think Vaughn knows his limitations. He's a 23-year-old. He's a decent athlete. He doesn't have a whole lot of speed, but I think he's a good athlete. He's been working on his feet constantly as an infielder. It's only going to translate to the outfield. So I, I think there's potential there. And I, and even in the interviews, like the difference between him and uh, Aloy is Aloy was always, I know I can be a good left fielder. And he, would, he puts in the work and everybody can see he puts in the work, but it's not necessarily translating. And he's, he's overly aggressive in some points and not aggressive in others. And he does something I, I, I honestly think he was just having fun hanging on the wall like he did, you know, like Damn. power slam Vince Carter. Yeah, just to hang through the rim. Yeah, I think he was just having fun, and of have, I mean, of course he, that's with a ruptured pectoral tendon, but yeah. of course that's just kind of how it goes. But I, I don't think you, I don't think that was necessarily a, that was a lapse in judgment, not like a bad baseball decision which I think people are putting a little bit too much stock. I, I don't think this injury is the end of Aloy Jimenez playing left field, where I think a lot of people do. Personally, do you think, it, I, do you think it's the end of him being full-time DH? It, I mean, like, Eloy, like, Eloy in the outfield was never, you know, <sighs> the, you know, great in, the, in any sense of the word. I mean, him being an outfielder, it just seemed like he wasn't, set up for that, that he was 100% set up to be a full-time DH. I mean, it's a power hitter. So losing him in the outfield didn't really do much. It's losing him in the lineup was the biggest issue. I, I, I think that there is this misconception that it's easy to DH. Oh, he can't play the field. Let's put him in the DH. Not everybody can DH. Like DHing yeah. is not – it's one of the hardest things to do because you're sitting down for majority of the game. Right. For me personally, it doesn't feel like that is Eloy's personality, at least not yet. Well, he's also still fairly young. So, I mean, it's hard to really be like, you're a full-time DH and you're never going to play, you know, a a position for God knows how long. I mean, it's way too early to actually say, you know, you're a full-time DH and, you know, whatever. But I mean, obviously while I'm in the lineup more than the outfield at this point. And the people who are arguing that Vaughn's young and he's DHing, Vaughn is only DHing until Abreu is gone. He's he's clearly the next first baseman of the White Sox. I think everybody knows that. The league yeah. is high. Uh, I mean, the White Sox are high on, on Vaughn. The league is high on Vaughn. He's still he's like one of the still one of the top ranked prospects in baseball. And yet, like like I said before, he's never taken it at bat obviously until this season, higher than single A. So I, I, I might be alone in thinking that this is the, this is not the end of Aloy playing left field. I'm this season, obviously, when he comes back, he's not going to be in left field, but I, I would be willing to put down a wager that he is in left field to start the 2022. Yeah. Yeah. When you guys don't hang up a World Series banner, 2022. So what you're talking about? Um, I think no. I think I think your dates are off. I think 
No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. We will, yeah, yeah. That's 2020 when we will be hanging the banner. Um, I don't know if I can watch another White Sox banner go up. I mean, I was 13 when the 05 went up, and I wasn't really paying attention, but. I was going to say, did you even watch the first one? Uh, no. Yeah. But, I mean, baseball didn't exist until about 2006. <laughs> was it the Cubs that did the thing where they all pulled, like, one pull of the rope? Was that, that was the Cubs, right? I think so. They just, like, everybody went and they did one pull of the rope under the line. One pull of the rope. It was like a, it was like a bad, I don't know. Hey, speaking of PE, this is like a bad PE thing. All right, pull and go. <laughs> it, was, uh, it was very dumb. Here, I'll say it. I mean, we all knew it was dumb. But, well, I mean, your, your legacy in the 2000 World Series, our legacy was Steve Bartman. So. <laughs> Nothing I mean, about the World Series and Steve Bartman go together. It should have. Nope, that was not the World Series. I know Cubs, have. Cubs fans think that they were walking into a World Series there. They but were. They were. The ball went through Alex Gonzalez's legs, and then he went home scot-free. Bartman didn't even yeah. end up with the damn ball. What did they score? Eight runs that inning? Um, but there was an in, inning-ending double play that went through Alex Gonzalez's legs. Yes, I and remember. it kept the inning yeah. going longer. Baseball is all and about they, momentum. You, you lose they, that moment. <laughs> I would, I want, I'm not the stat person. I don't think you are either. I want someone who's really into the stats to see how many teams have lost a game after a fan interference was called. <laughs> or I guess, oh, I'm sorry. That's my biggest issue is that they, they there wasn't, that there wasn't. Because of Bartman. Everybody is in, a, is in a tizzy. If you would have just, you know, let Moise Salu catch that ball, it wouldn't have made a difference whatsoever. Steve Bartman had the game on in his ear, and the radio was delayed two seconds. He didn't even know Moises was underneath him. And he wasn't even the one who ended up with the damn ball. Yeah, but, I, I, poor Bartman. I mean, if you're asking Len from 2003, I was very angry at that man and, you know, wanted to find him in the streets. But now, as a semi rational adult, it's like th- th- that man didn't do anything. I wish I could do hug you him. You're like, you, you know think- what? are bad do you think steve bartman costume 2003 halloween was the most in chicago do you think like in the history of chicago halloweens there was more steve bartman in in 2003 rather than harry carey (laughs) it was like what gray sweatshirt and walkman headphones like everybody did it was like a baseball cap was the headphones and then, Classes, yeah. That poor guy. I'm pretty sure my mom was Steve Bartman for Halloween. <laughs> we ran that man out of town for no good reason. He got a World Series ring though, so sorry, Steve. But I know you listen to the podcast. But what? That's... And we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'll apologize to him too. Poor yeah, guy. That was a rough experience to. Uh... And first of all, Moisey Salu years later was like, "Oh no, I wouldn't have caught that ball." It's like I almost wish he never said that. He should have just doubled down and said, I would have caught that ball and then walked away from it. Him being like, oh, I wouldn't have caught that ball. It I mean, my, my, <laughs> my memory of that is more of him like jumping up and down, like throwing a tantrum. Well, that, yeah, but it was but it was like a couple years later when they interviewed him and he's like, yeah, I mean, thinking back, I don't think I would have caught that ball. 
It's like, why, why did you feel the need to say that? You could have just doubled down and said, oh, no, I would have caught that ball. I hate that guy. Stay in character and just, you know, walk away from the moment. Him being like, oh, actually, no, um, I wouldn't have caught that ball. So you guys all yelling at him and me yelling at him was for nothing. And you guys are just a bunch of jerks. And that's that. That's that. That's, I mean, that's just the way stupid Chicago right. is. I, I need to, I need to, I'm going to have you move on because I know how much Cubs fans you guys like to live in the past. So I'm going to have you, let's move to the present. How are you feeling about your Cubs after open weekend? We talked a lot about the Sox. Um, well, I, I was there. It was very cold. Um, it, it was, was cold. About, it was about 30 degrees. Everybody stayed in their seats. Um, I didn't have one beer at Wrigley, not because it was, you know, $10, but because I felt like if I moved, that I probably would have just frozen place. And the team wasn't very good opening day. I mean, I don't know how many opening days, you know, the Cubs have actually won where they've looked good. But, um, yeah, I mean, they didn't look good opening day. I wish I was there on Saturday when they won. So I was there Sunday when they won. Uh, they're currently winning now, although it's, it was 4 nothing. now it's 4-3. Um, but, I mean, I think that they look good. I think they can definitely win the – NL Central, not based on the last three, four games, but that was just always my thought. It was that Milwaukee's not very good. Pittsburgh's not very good. Cincinnati, I think, maybe holds up for a couple months and then trails off. Uh, Cardinals' offense got better, but the pitching staff is fairly the same. Um, I think the Cubs have a lot of surprises in the in the bullpen and the starting rotation. So, I mean, I don't know if they'll be – you know, a 90-win team like maybe the White Sox will be, but I think they're definitely good enough to hang around in the middle. 85 wins could potentially win the division, depending on if everybody stays healthy and, you know, doesn't slump all at the same time like they've done for the last three, four years, five years even. So That's what I was, that's what I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you, obviously opening day was opening day. Did that bring back any, like, post-traumatic stress of, like, oh, no, it's going to happen again this year. Like when they had two hits going into the seventh inning. And I was like, these, these men have no idea what the hell they're doing. They're super lucky that they won the world series in 2016, because I don't know what anybody would have done if they would have lost that game. And then just had to continue to be mediocre for God knows how long. And they were talked to and you know, everybody talked them up for in 2015, they were too early, 2016, that was their year, and they almost blew it. And if they would have blown it, and then 17, they were mediocre, 18, it's the same lineup. I mean, I, I don't even know what I would have done. But, yeah, opening day when they weren't hitting, and they somehow had scored three runs, and I think they finished with, like, five hits. But at one point, they had more runs than hits. They walked, like, ten guys. Pittsburgh opening day, uh, they're starting eight, like, position players, uh, reach base twice. I mean, it was like an absurd statistic where every single player reached base at least twice. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is like not a good sign of things to come. But again, putting too much stock in opening day, that's how you, you know, ruin your day, ruin your week. So there's 162 uh, games for a reason. So. No days times 10. That's what I was saying. So that's why, that's why I was asking because it, it very much resembled, the same problems that have been happening for three years now. Right. Yeah. Well, it's also hard to be like, Oh, well, you know, like it's all the same guys. So it's almost stupid to think that all of a sudden they'd all snap out of it at once. 
it's like insanity. It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But right. and that's, at one point, all these bozos were good. So I don't know what the hell is. What you said there is perfect. It's the snap out of it. It's like, is there, are they in something right now or is this just them, right? Or is this just how they are? There's yeah. no snapping anymore. It just, nope, this is it. Yeah. And I mean, you got three or four guys in a contract year and you think that all of a sudden, you know, if they weren't turning it on before, that maybe this is the year to do it. If I'm about to be a free agent and I'm trying to get paid, I don't know if swinging that ball's out of the zone consistently is what's going to, you know, translate to dollars on a, on a check, but. Just, just say his name. Just say his name. Just say his name. It it could be any of them. That's a problem. The obvious answer is Javier Baez. Oh, okay. There it is. There it is. Javier Baez has less errors this year than Tim Anderson. I'd like to point that out. Or they both have zero. I haven't looked, but (laughs) no, I think Tim has one. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, Baez had six last year. Led the team and won a Gold Glove. Okay, you want to hear something? Good I don't know what Tim White Anderson did. I don't know if he even played last year. So. You want to hear something good as a White Sox fan? Always. One player in the league has five errors. Who is it? This year? Yeah. This year already. One player has five errors? It might have even been in the same game. This year? It's only been it's four games. <laughs> yes. So I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look it up because I, I don't I don't want to misremember this, but are you saying he's on the White Sox? <laughs> no, I said this is good for a white as a White Sox fan. Oh, I thought you were saying somebody on the White Sox has five errors and they played four games. Um well, it's gotta be somebody in the division, maybe. Um Trying to think, Kansas City, do they have any stars besides Whit Merrifield? Um, Cleveland, Cleveland got rid of Lindor. I don't know who else is even a position player on Cleveland worth anything. I'm assuming it's in the division. Is that remarkably no. close? No. No? Hmm. It would make you guys happy? Oh, no, it's not Tatis, is it? Yes, it is. Oh, that's why Fernando, I was, Tatis, well. <laughs> Fernando Tatis 2021 season already has five errors. And I, I, I need to find if they came in the same game. That's, that's rough. That is some roof stoof. I, I don't know if it was all the same. And James game. Shield I mean, is sitting on his couch. Like I would have made that throw. <laughs> but yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I can't. I'm looking right now. Sorry, if it's a, if it was from the same game or not. But yeah, he has five, leading the league. That's, it's a small. Yeah. It's a small thing, but man, does it feel good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, it's got to feel good for for you guys. But I mean, no, it, it makes I, it worse. I'm San Diego, and I just paid this man boofoo amount of dollars, and it's like you know you haven't even played the same amount of games as you have errors. You're averaging an error like 1.2 errors per game. <laughs> I didn't check the math on that, but if 1.2 is right, I'm a genius. Right? Five out of four. That's right. No, maybe. I don't know. 1.25. Ooh. <laughs> maybe I'll, I'll edit it out and I'll add the two five. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But I mean, I'm, I'm optimistic about the, about the Cubs. I know you're optimistic about the White Sox. Um, not looking forward to when they play each other because that's probably the ultimate test of 
of which one's actually going to, you know, be a contender and which one's going to be a pretender. But I mean, if you want to talk about pretenders, we can talk about uh, those idiots over at uh, Soldier Field. Yes, we can. I do want to. I do want to correct myself. They were not all in the same game. I wish they were. Cause but he does have five. <laughs> he does have five. He yeah. had one. One in the first game, two in the second game, none in the third game, two in the fourth game. Okay. Yes. But yeah. Uh, now that I'm happy about the Fernando Tatis trade, yeah, let's move on to making me sad about. So the the uh, biggest thing that the. Well, I don't even know if I don't even know if it's the biggest thing the Bears have done because they didn't do anything relatively big, but the biggest news, I guess, is all the reports that the Bears were, you know, looking into Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson and all these things, and then they get rid of Mitch Trubisky and they bring in Andy Dalton. I mean, it's just the most Bears move. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to say, like, I'm surprised. I mean, the, it, the writing was on the wall. Like, this was definitely a typical Bears move. So to be surprised is almost, like, stupid. Like, to think that they wouldn't do anything other than exactly what you didn't want them to do. I mean, yeah. I think he's paid $10 million. One year, $10 million, I think. That sounds low, isn't it? More than that, I don't know. I hope it's not more. I've tried not. I've tried not to think about it. The only thing that could have been more bears is if they made what's his name, the practice squad kid, the starting quarterback, Mike Glennon. No, Tyler Bray. Oh, <laughs> is Glennon still on the team? The who? The Bears? Yeah. Glennon. Yeah. No, Glennon's no. He was on the Raiders for a bit. He's, I think he was Jacksonville's backup last year. Oh, I don't know where he is this year. I know he's getting paid somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, he's not. No, you would see that ginger giraffe on the sidelines. If you, <laughs> you, would, you would have noticed. Alton could potentially get thirteen million with incentives. What's the incentive? Get out of town. Oh, I mean, it's probably passing yards. Do you know what the sad part is? This is the sad part. Andy Dalton will be the only 4,000-yard passer in Bears history at the end of the season. <laughs> Guaranteed. It's going to happen. You know it's going to happen, especially there's one more game. He'll, he'll sneak his way into the into the record books and then fade into obscurity. <laughs> yeah, just like, oh, yeah, remember when Andy Dalton is the Bears' single-season <laughs> leader? That's what's going to happen. Is he taking it from Cutler? Yeah, I think I think Cutler has it. You know, it was one of the options, Cutler or Sid Luckman. Those are <laughs> options. Oh, Sid Luckman, who was like the first person ever to throw the ball forward in the NFL, he says all the Bears records. <laughs> Andy Dalton's completion rate is sixty-two. Well, it's technically sixty-two point two percent. Mitch Trubisky's was sixty-four. I don't know. I mean, that career? relatively that career? close because in yeah that's career in Ryan Pace in Ryan Pace's reasoning for why Andy Dalton was the choice it was he had one of his best completion percentages last year I mean that that might be possible but I I don't care about completion percentages you know it's like as long as it's as long as it's the yards per attempt are pretty even the touchdown to interception rate is pretty even 
So I'm thinking, how much would they have had to have paid Mitch Trubisky just to well, see okay. where they're at, and then no, call. no, no, that that had to go. That had to be done. That's not like we we cannot do. We can't do this where we compare Andy Dalton to Mitch Trubisky. We can't do it. Mitch Trubisky experience was done over with. Way before it should have been, or way yeah, way before or way after it should have been. I mean, correct and. It's good for both. Like we, the Bears fans need to move on. And you know what? And if Mitch Trubisky becomes this, uh, he'll never be a superstar. But if he becomes this like serviceable, Kirk Cousins type kind of passer, where he, where he always hangs around, is never, yeah, never like, tip top, never terrible, but always kind of in the middle where it's like, oh, would, okay. would you would you be surprised if he had a a Kirk Cousins like career? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. He's behind Josh Allen now. I mean, they're relatively the same same age. So, I mean, I don't know when and, he would get to in Buffalo, but... So, no, what's going to happen? Mitch Trubisky, he's kind of being smart here. And if he is, I, I mean, he is being smart. It's... He'll be the guy. He took the one-year deal as the backup. A team is looking for a backup. And they'll say, what if we give Mitch Trubisky a shot? Like, he'll be out of the... He'll be out of sight, out of mind for just long enough yeah. He will be like, you know what? He didn't get a fair shake because he didn't. Like, yeah, let's no, take a shot on the kid again. No, sorry. He had all the chances in the world to be a good quarterback here. I don't want it to seem like, like I think they did him dirty. They gave him ample opportunity. Was he set up to succeed 100%? Absolutely not. No. But he also had all the opportunity in the world to take it for himself and do something with it. Just like, like any other serviceable quarterback in the NFL would have done. It wasn't, it wasn't the absolute worst situation for him. Yeah. That's more what I mean, but he's out of sight, out of mind. Somebody would be like, let's give that guy a shot. He didn't have, he, he didn't, he didn't have, I don't know, whatever I'm trying to say. Didn't have a fair shake in Chicago. However they see it, he'll get a chance to compete somewhere. He's not competing with Josh Allen. Everybody knows that. Yeah. But they are similar styles. I think that was a good fit for him. I think he could kind of step into that offense pretty seamlessly. The only issue is Josh Allen can throw dime 60 More yards. Than 10 yards. Field. <laughs> and Mitch Trubisky can throw it that far, but it's nowhere near the receiver. So yeah. that'll be different. I think my, my biggest issue with Mitch, and maybe you can, you know, you probably watch more Bears games, you know, than I do. But my biggest issue was it seemed like when they were calling plays and the play was for you know, Anthony Miller, or it was for Robinson, he didn't look anywhere else but them. And I don't know if that's a lack of, like, football awareness or him not trusting himself to, like, you know, deviate from the quote-unquote plan, but... He's a one-read quarterback. He's a one-read quarterback, and when it is one read and that one read is there, he's decent. He can put the ball where it needs to be. As soon as that read's not there, that's when he struggles. And everybody knows that's the issue. The issue is everybody knows that. So the defense comes in and they're going to take away the number one option, which is pretty easy because we only have one number one option. Yeah. You take, so you take away Allen Robinson and then what? Then Mitch Trubisky is looking around throwing, <laughs> forgetting that linebackers exist, <laughs> fitting the ball, trying to fit the ball into. Well, he, he, just, he just needs to throw to his 11 tight ends that are on the team. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, a compliment to Mitch Trubisky. He throws the ball right at defenders so much they drop it because they they don't know what to do. 
his move is like, I'm going like, to right there's, no, there's no way this man is throwing directly at me. <laughs> so the DB is just standing there with his hands up and he's waiting for the ball, but he's also looking around like, wait, this is somebody else has to be coming to catch this. I need to be ready to make a tackle at the same time. <laughs> her hands hits him in the chest plate, ball on the ground. And then we, and then everybody just like, yep, that, that's, that's second down for the Chicago bears. That's how that goes. I don't know. It seemed like it was always like clockwork where, where it would either be run, 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 throw, or be throw, throw, run, run. Like they always seemed like every, every, you know, possession or whatever, they had like some type of plan that was always like cookie cutter. Like we're going to do two of these, one of those, and another one of these. It seemed like it was always the same like plan. It was always either two runs and then two passes or two passes and then two runs. I mean, I don't know. I was just, you know, I'm just watching it on TV and I'm just like, okay, he was obviously their third and one. He's going to throw and the play is going to be 10 yards. Like Allen Robinson's going to run 10 yards out. And I go, why are you, you're third and one. Why is the play set up for a throw downfield? I go, maybe I'm like, in, you know, insane, but there should be no reason why you shouldn't be shooting for, I mean, I can understand not, you know, shooting for just for one yard and then, you know, whatever, but it seemed like always they were within reach and they were going for these plays that were downfield. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? I'll say, I'll say this Lenny, that, that, that mindset that you have right now is just like a, a struggling bears fan because a good offense who gets, who has a play that gets you 10 yards on third down. That's like a nor that's like not, that's a normal thing. The reason we notice it is because we have three and out, three and out, three and out. And it's, they're just terrible play calls or, or it's, I can't even speak to the play call. Maybe it is the right play call and the execution's poor. It just having third down options where somebody's open. If the guy's open 10 yards, who cares, right? That we want the first down. It doesn't matter where he gets it. We as bears fans have watched this pitiful offense for just God only knows how long that we're just begging then, for them to just scrape by. <laughs> right. We're like, please, you need one yard. Get one yard. Just, and just one get the minimum yard. one yard and then figure it out with four more plays. <laughs> and that's what it is because we don't want the three and out. It's we're so scared of three and out because they happen so often. And it's a three and out. Oh my God. It's how do you get any momentum if you're on the field for three plays and then punt? Like yeah. at least give four plays you know it's a little bit better I don't know so that I think I think that is a is a mindset a hundred percent based on what we've been watching and not necessarily it's a, a beat down Bears fan mentality exactly do you think the Kansas City just, Chiefs just fans throw one yard and then figure it out from there you think the Kansas City Chiefs fans care when they throw it 10 yards incomplete on third down I'm no. sure they, they don't even no. register it. No. The first thing they think is, did Pat Mahomes just throw that ball with his opposite hand? He did. And it was a they're touchdown. Like, they're like 10 yards. When's the last time there was a 10-yard play? We threw it 20 yeah. yards. Is, is Mahomes hurt? He only threw 10 yards <laughs> on that play. Man, somebody ran the wrong route. No. I'm looking at the Bears' schedule. I don't know if you've looked at it or know, like, I don't know if this is like in order. I think it is because they added the Raiders game at the end and that's where it's listed. But I mean, now the bears can't go eight and eight minimum. They can Wait, go so eight is, and nine. 
is week seven, or I guess it's week 18 now, the 17th game, is it no longer division games? So it was, I think they said it was, you're playing the team that was equal in position right. in their division. Right, but that's what I'm saying is that schedule might not be in order because I do not think that that rule changed that the final game, final week of the season is all division games because that's what it is currently. You play, you play team within your division. Yeah. Week of the season, typically they're pretty good at, I think, at making the prediction of who the top two teams are going to be and who needs it. Yeah. Well, because this schedule has Vegas last, and then it's so the last five games is Rams, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Tampa, Vegas. So six games. But I know they said they're adding Vegas at the end, but I thought they played division opponents. So, so maybe, maybe this year, because it's the first year and the schedule is already out, I, I don't know for certain. Maybe they did just put it on the end of the year. But that doesn't – not that that totally changes things, and it might be just like something that happens this year, but I yeah. would – I'd be surprised if they – I thought that was successful. When they made that change, when they made that change, yeah. I thought it was successful. I thought it, it creates, like, a lot of drama in the – I know the, the McCaskies voted against it. Like, They're like, oh, no. <laughs> The fans are already going to riot if you know they're eight and eight. If they're eight and nine, they're going to lose it. And this schedule also has them playing Detroit, Green Bay, Minnesota, like first three games. So I don't know if this is right. No, I don't know if that's ever happened where they play. It doesn't sound right. And it's Maybe. all it's first Detroit, first Green Bay, first Minnesota, then it's first Arizona. No, also, no, that makes no sense. How this schedule is listed now that I'm reading it, now that I'm actually looking Wait, at it. Are, are it has there all dates? the verses and then it has all the ads. So okay, that's how this. I am an idiot. <laughs> there's no other schedule that's out. That's why I'm like, uh. So I'm like, there's, there, there's no way. Because <laughs> yeah, they, they, they typically come out with the schedule. <laughs> they come out with the schedule and where it'll be, and then they come out with the dates later on. This is this is the, the way the NFL stays king. Is like though I don't know I don't I have no idea when they do it. I only know because eventually somebody will tell me. But it'll be to like block out some other of the major sports. Like it'll be like the baseball will announce the All Star team and football will put it out so that football steals some of the shine. That's that's typically how the NFL does it. Yeah, I know all, all those opponents were correct. They were just definitely not in the right order. <laughs> Because all of a sudden I'm looking at it and I'm like, uh, there's no way that they play eight home games <laughs> and then eight away games <laughs> unless they really just don't want people. Like, you know what, let's just get all the home games out of the way and then have them be somewhere else. <laughs> have them play in, you know, warm weather, first eight games, and then have them go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I say warm yeah. weather, but that means absolutely nothing because it was 30 on Thursday. And then it was 70 on Saturday. So there's that. I won't tell you what it was here. I'm assuming it was 70s as well. Yes. Consistently 70s. Yeah. How I far will... are you from Anaheim? Pretty far, right? Uh, is Anaheim south, south of LA, I think? Or north of LA? South, I believe. I think so too. That's me completely. I'm probably, I'm probably like a six, six and a half hour drive. So who's like your biggest, like fan base, like in like where you're in, in California, like, is it thousand percent thousand percent giants? 
Yeah. I'm just wondering this, for, this, yeah, this, like, this city, this city. So for those of you who don't know, I'm, I currently live in the Bay area and I would say the Bay area is, is very, is almost similarly split Sox Cubs. Cause there, I think everybody knows there's more Cubs fans in the city than there are Sox fans. But I would say there's, there's, I would say, can I record you saying that? But I already did. So, <laughs> I mean, I I think we, I I mean, I'm comfortable as a Sox fan saying there are more Cubs fans than there are Sox fans. That's just geography, and Wrigley's a federal landmark, so there's nothing you can do about it. Ferris Bueller was a Cub fan, so I mean, <laughs> you guys just have blown a beef or whatever you guys got. <laughs> I would say, but so, all right, well, if we say it's 60 40, I don't know, Cubs fans and Sox fans, yeah. I would say here it's probably 65 to 35. It's there, there's definitely more way, it's like significantly more Giants fans than there are A's fans. But I think the difference being that the Giants have recently, fairly recently, had like a crazy run of three World Series in six years. Yeah. So we broke up that streak. I don't know if you were wondering. I know you were thinking to yourself, but that was an even number. We took it from him. Yes, you did. It was a close one. It was. Shouldn't it? Shouldn't have been that close. <laughs> they were surprisingly. None of those games were supposed to be that close. Was it Johnny Cueto? I remember he was crushing it. That was yeah. That was game one. That was when uh, me and my dad were there. That was Javier Baez hit a solo home run. That was a no doubter the whole place was shaking and it just barely went into the basket <laughs> i did i know i was thinking i was thinking Cueto pitched the whatever the closeout game was um he pitched the opener no, i guess that was like one. matt moore or something and he was like rolling he was in like an eighth was inning the one? Was well, it he, a- he was the starter when did you when did you play that was it a, a five game series uh yes Oh, okay. That was game four. Yeah, so it would have been Cueto Lester in that like two-two game. Yeah, the fifth game, the tiebreaker. Right. It was like Matt Moore or something, and he was rolling in the eighth inning, and the Cubs were just barely scraping by, and they pulled him for I think it was Sergio Romo, who plays for every single team. Every time I turn on a baseball, (laughs) Sergio Romo, (laughs) like, is he even aware of what team he plays for, or is he just like? pick out a, a shirt in the closet and goes giants. Okay. <laughs> We're wearing black today. Okay. I feel like I, I've seen that man play for a bunch of teams. I but. couldn't even tell you what I do. Like, you know, normally you say somebody's name and you picture them in the uniform. I don't have one for him. Cause it's which uniform. <laughs> I know. I, I can picture the beard. Yeah. Oh, Sergio. Your mother doesn't know where you're at. Either. I could have sw- I could have sworn that he was on the Indians that year. No, I don't think so. Now. <laughs> Who is the big guy at the Indians? Am I? I don't know. So Sergio Romo was on the San Francisco Giants from 2008 to 2006. Then he played for the Dodgers, Rays, Marlins, Twins. Now he's on Oakland. <laughs> oh, so am I thinking of the Twins? He's also a three-time World Series champion, but that makes sense because he played eight eight, nine years with San Francisco. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I'm, I, I knew he was in the White Sox division. So if he was on the Twins, I must be confusing the two. 
Uh, yeah. So he was on the Twins, 19 and 20. So he was on the Twins last year. Yeah. That's probably the last time you saw him. We don't have to keep talking about losers. We can talk about the one, uh, the, the one good thing that has happened in your life in the White Sox. You know, White Sox history, and the worst thing that's ever happened to me in White Sox history. <laughs> we can play that for. That can't a, be true. But that's the worst moment. That can't mm-hmm. be true. The worst moment in my White Sox history. <laughs> you uh, looked the home run, wasn't? No, that one I didn't really mind so much. Really? Yeah, I, I was able to, to brush that off fairly quickly. I'm trying to think. There's really a big moment. I mean, wasn't Bartman and AJ? Oh, not Bartman, Barrett. But no, our guy got punched in the face. Not yours. <laughs> I mean, no one was really a Michael Barrett fan. I just couldn't support AJ. I would be surprised if Michael Barrett's mother was a Michael Barrett fan. That guy sucked. <laughs> Yeah, he immediately went to San Diego, I think, afterwards, and they were just like, oh, well, you just take a seat and we'll figure something out. That was, that was when... At, probably put him at, a, like, a desk job, and he's like, you know, I still play baseball, right? And they're like, sure you do, buddy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he you punched our boy Adrian ahead, in the face. <laughs> go ahead and untuck your dress shirt from your khakis and tell us everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I, my favorite White Sox Cub moment was, um, I can think of when... Derek Lee hit a pinch hit grand slam at Wrigley. That was cool. Aramis Ramirez hitting a home run. Um, it's like 2004. I don't know. Might have even been 2005. Man, I will be so happy if it was 2005. <laughs> I could just erase the whole World Series. And that'll just be the last game that I remember. And then it was 2006. And the Cubs were terrible for 10 more years. <laughs> and there you go. I don't know. It's hard for me not to think about what Jose Abreu did last year to the Cubs. Yeah, you said Eloy, and I was like, "Ooh, if you would have said Jose, <laughs> no. well, Jose it, it, would send a shiver down my spine." Eloy is like, mean, oh, it's like seeing an old friend. Oh, my, my old friend Eloy is doing great. No, that that the the Jose series. No, no, the Jose Abreu was like Hado from uh, Rookie of the Year when he'd step up to the plate. <laughs> the announcer would be like, "It's Hado." That's that's what Jose Abreu does for me. Although I drafted them every single fantasy baseball team that I have because <laughs> I'm stupid, but I'm not dumb. I know where the points are. I just hope they're not against us. But I digress. His job's being taken by Andrew Vaughn. You heard it here first on this uh, thousand person, thousand fan podcast. <sighs> Matt, would you like a free t shirt if you win, or do you want cash money? Can I, ask, can I ask how much cash? Um, I haven't put any dollar amounts to the questions. <laughs> <laughs> but there are 10 Is questions, it, and I can give you... You know what? You know what? Question. No, I want the T-shirt. Because I know you're too cheap to ever make it... A t-shirt's at least worth 20 bucks. I don't think we're ever getting that high in cash. <laughs> <laughs> we have a pot of money somewhere. Don't tell Lizzie. It's, it's labeled wedding fund, but I know what it's really for. It's for gambling. I'm going to give you easy ones. I know you're, you're dying to at least get a couple in before I just obliterate you with my trivial knowledge. I think, I mean, am I getting the easy ones because I too was 13 years old? <laughs> the World Series. And if it makes you feel better, I remember, I mean, I, 
I made the question. So obviously I know now, but I had to look up most of these things. And I was like, oh, maybe he knows. But I was 13 and didn't support this team. So I don't know any of these I, things. I am uh, I'm a little nervous if I'm, I'm going to be honest. But we'll They're see. Also in, in like no particular order. Actually, no, they, they might be. There, there's some type of order to it. Um, so let's start off with an easy one. Who did the Sox play in the World Series? The Houston Astros. I thought we're going to be stumped already. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like some of these nerves right now. I'm like, I knew I knew that. Were you like, oh, were they Houston in 2005? Were they the Houston Astros? <laughs> I, I almost said the National League, Houston Astros. <laughs> Just to specify. Not, not to be confused. So White Sox versus Houston Astros are one of two matchups that can no longer happen. It's no longer like actually like physically possible. They hold play on, hold on. Let me, I, I might be able to do the first one for bonus points. I mean, I, I think I, I know what it is. I think it was Milwaukee. It was Milwaukee, wasn't it? Yeah. Because was it Milwaukee used to be an AL team? Correct. Yeah, so it was the Brewers. And it's probably, I don't know, just based on, I don't know, probably like the Cardinals or something. Do you want me to tell you if that's correct? Yeah. I'm sure it was like 1984 or something. It was the Milwaukee Brewers in the American League versus the St. Louis Cardinals hey. <laughs> in the National League. <laughs> hey, that's worth, that's worth $2 and a t-shirt. I don't care what hey you I'm impressed with having technical right difficulties. There will be no cash award. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Who are the other two teams the White Sox played in that postseason? Mm, you know, Angels. at least you know at least one of them because that was the game that your team cheated. But whatever. The Angels. Oh my God. Who is? Who did we play? So the Angels were ALCS. Who in the CIA, ALCS? Who did play in the DS? Okay, hold on a sec. I gotta go through some AL teams in my head here. And I think the year that? the year helps a lot. The year helps a lot. Yeah. Wait, hindsight's twenty twenty, and I'm the smartest person. I'm also reading the questions off the paper. Why does the year help a lot? Um, well, if you know the team, you know why the year's important. Adoy. They're currently fifth in the AL East right now. <laughs> After being swept by the Baltimore Orioles. I don't remember. I don't, who did they play? Um, hold on a sec. I can do this. Oh, you just said AL East. Okay, let me do that. Mm-hmm. It just got swept by the Orioles? This year. In was three, it, three games? The Red Sox. It was the Red Sox? Sure was. Jeez. I, I remember listening to a game on the radio that the wind was blowing out and just everybody was hitting home runs. Or maybe that was against the Angels. No, I can't remember. <laughs> well, the reason why I said the year was important is because they won the World Series in 2004. So that's when the Red Sox were, like, good. Right. So 2004, I thought they won 2006. They won 2007. 
So I was slightly misleading you, but. Man, that was, I, I honestly almost totally forgot that. I, I might've been able to get there. I don't know who else I was thinking though. That's the only one I would have said with any confidence. I mean, it was probably a safe bet to throw out Yankees. I mean, there was always a good chance that it was that the Yankees were a part of. A yeah, I did, but I think, I feel like I would have remembered that. I don't, I feel like I don't remember the, they beat the Yankees. Yeah. That seems a little yeah. more, but I mean, you beat the, I mean, it beat the Red Sox. What's the difference? First round. Yeah. So I guess yeah. you were looking for some like historic, you know, moment. And that was, I guess the underlying one, you knocked out the defending champions. Yeah. That's the White weird. Sox, in my head. Yeah. The White Sox went 11 and one in that postseason. Mm-hmm. What was the only game that they lost? To the Angels. It was a 3-2 game one ALCS against the Angels. Which one was the drop third strike? Was that the second game? Game two. Game two. Baseball's all about momentum. You're welcome. It was the drop third strike and then four complete games. <laughs> Nobody remembers the four complete games, Matt. Which is can we talk about how much of like a travesty it is that that White Sox team is not like heralded as like one of the greatest things ever? Like that'll never, ever, ever be done again. I mean, when they did the fan poll, they said the 2016 Cubs would have beat them, but that's not a big deal. Fan poll. The fan poll. Okay. Fan poll by Len Casper, who now does your radio games. Yeah. Yeah. Len Casper with the heel turn in the middle of the night. Cubs lost Lester, lost Schwarber, whatever. And then Len Casper was like, "Ah, I'm going to go play for your arch nemesis. I'm going to drive, you know, down whatever highway brings me to numbered street in Harlem. And I'm gonna go do radio for uh, for the black and white. How dare he? Everybody likes a good heel turn. He knew what he was yeah, I was doing. It was like I kept tweeting. It was like Len Casper, like when Hogan joined the NWO. It's essentially what it was. Hollywood Hogan I, started wearing black. I still so I I I I'm always the one that said I never really liked Len Casper. But it's not about his ability to call a game. I think it's the way he does it. He just feels boring to me. And I know he's not. I know he's like interesting guy like plays music and like everybody loves him and for i just like it's something about like i always say like use his home run call as the example just like it's just it is boring to me seems it was always like i don't know like very monotone when he was generic just like like he could be calling a game for any team any so he's he's like a generic like baseball announcer which they like pump them out crazy nowadays but just, well, there was no like like heart in it, and I guess it makes sense because now he, you know, just joined the the White Sox. Yeah, a lot of people were like, "Well, I mean, that's probably why he, you know, never had that's any deep, emotion." When he was talking about the Cubs, and that's a deep drive back to left field, gone. <laughs> that's even too much. That's even too much. It's not even. Yeah, I was like, "Who are you impersonating?" <laughs> gone, gone. I don't know. He had a he had a couple of them that he was like you know, really happy about and whatever. And it was kind of odd to like hear him like get excited. And I was like, why are you not excited for all the other ones? It, to be fair, I, I have only listened to him on the radio one time in a spring training game. So maybe he's a better radio guy than he is a TV guy. I don't know. Well, he always wanted to do radio. That was half of the reason why he uh, jumped I, ship to go to the White Sox because he didn't want to miss an opportunity to like call a game on the radio. Right. Which I get. I mean. Probably fun to do 
to do it on radio, even though being on TV is probably exciting too. But if you do it for so long, you finally get like old school journalism, like being on the radio. I, I don't know if I would have passed it up either. Uh, and I could BS around and pretend to be a White Sox fan if I got to call radio games. But yeah, might be able to figure it out. Silently <laughs> die inside when they're winning 16 nothing and they're steamrolling in the ALCS. But I think when you see what that paycheck would be, you would slowly start to enjoy the White Sox. Uh, I, I, black is very slimming, so I could get around wearing black, but I wouldn't have the logo on it. Yeah, that cubby blue always shows off your uh, your man boobs a little bit, you know. No, that's the thirteen dollars IPAs at Rick. <laughs> <laughs> it's the green line. <laughs> so the White Sox lost one game in the ALCS. Who was the ALCS MVP? LCS MVP. I mean, it should be Brzezinski. Um. You know, I've, that's like an award that I forget even exists. I didn't remember that it existed. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't even remember who the Cubs one was. Maybe, was that Lester and Baez? I don't even know. Might have been a World Series MVP. Yeah, yeah so the World Series MVP I know is Jermaine Dye. That was the next question. So who is the World Series MVP, Jermaine Dye? Who was the, who was the uh, MVP before? I'm trying to remember who had a big series. Like, I just remember the pitching in that one. I don't even remember the hitting. So I, mean, I, was, I was correct. It was Baez and Lester shared the 2016 National League Championship Series MVP. Yeah. But I digress. I would say just like, my guess would be like Creedy or Canerco. I'll go with Creedy. I remember he had a good postseason. The ALCS MVP, you're saying Joe Creedy. Yeah. I'm saying it was the other corner infielder. It was Canerco? It was Paul Canerco. Paul Canerco is probably the only White Sox player that I'm pretty positive I've never said one bad word about, even jokingly. (laughs) Because a lot of the White Sox players, it's like, oh, I only hate you because of, you know, what team you play for. You're actually a good player. And, you know, I could shit talk AJ. That, that one's pretty easy. Everybody does that. Probably falls into the good player, better person category, which is so annoying and cliche, but it's pretty true there. No, it's true. I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if I've really said anything bad about Frank Thomas, but I wasn't really paying attention when he was really, like, crushing the ball. I just remember Paul Canerco seemed like one of those guys that, like, even if I was, you know, a Cub fan and somebody – like another Cub fan tried to fight Paul Canerco. I'm pretty sure I would stand up for Paul Canerco. <laughs> I'm like, oh, are you trying to fight Paul Canerco? Like, no. Yeah. I don't care that we're at Sluggers, but uh, like, you don't try to fight Paul Canerco in the city of Chicago. I think you catch that's, him in the right, that's the right approach. <laughs> that's, that's the right approach. You catch Paul Canerco in Gary, Indiana. Well, what are you doing there? I can only help you in the state limits. <laughs> How many home runs did Hall of Famer Frank Thomas hit in the 2005 postseason? Zero. Zero? I thought I was going to catch you. No, he wasn't Zero. on the roster. He was not he on the even, roster because he was, he was on the roster. Mm-hmm. How, many, how many ceremonial first pitches did he throw? 
I know he threw at least one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did. Oh, it was against the Red Sox. Oh, if I would have thought of that, I would have known it was the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah, he threw out the ceremonial first pitch against the Red Sox. See, you're slapping the face. Your 13-year-old seventh grade knowledge is starting to come back. I'm pretty sure, if I remember right, he wasn't even wearing a uniform. He was just wearing like slacks and a jersey. It's just like anybody. I, I, yeah, well, when I looked up the question, I don't, I don't think he was wearing a jersey. I'm pretty sure he was wearing like, <laughs> like what a bodyguard would wear, like a bouncer outside of a club. I'm pretty sure that was Frank Thomas. <laughs> a lot of people that saw him walk by and was like, oh, who did they get for this? That's Frank Thomas. I should have known. He just asked me whether I downloaded the Blona Beef app. Oh, he's just a nice guy. Pre-Blona Beef. Not existing, but at least being this <laughs> hardcore sponsor like it is now. No, he knew. He, he was already... Uh... No, he was promoting Big Hurt here. Didn't he have... It was Big Hurt. What was his product? Natural Male Enhancement. Is that what it was? <laughs> no. No, that's I was the, like, "There's no that's way." The, that's I thought he had hygienic. like beer or. He's got the testosterone one. Is it an energy drink? I could have swore Frank Thomas had some product. I only remember Big Hurt beer. Oh well, that, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, Big Hurt beer. Yeah. Well, whatever. It was terrible. Um, it was like so remember? bad. Like it, it was the kind of beer that you drink and you're like, who okayed this? Like this was like, <laughs> like Frank Thomas. Who's in charge of taste testing? <laughs> He's like, I want a beer, and they're like, okay, how's this one? Yeah, let's do it. It's like, oh, that's why I wonder about the celebrities when they're like, when they have their own like fragrance. I was like, do they get to choose, or is somebody just like, you smell like this now, sell it? I think I mean for a fragrance, it's probably just like a yes or no, yes. Yeah. This one smells bad. This one smells good. Let's go with this one. Was it like a was it a light beer? Same thing. Oh. You know? No, that thing you could you could big uh, heart stout. <laughs> no, I don't know. That thing would take paint off of all big heart beer. <laughs> oh man. I'm pretty sure Frank still uses it to juice up. <laughs> no, to clean his uh clean his house. Yeah. Well, that's how he got like around the whole steroid era. He's like, I'm not on steroids. Big hurt beer. <laughs> it yeah, has the same effect, untraceable in the bloodstream. <laughs> you would ask the you would ask the piss person to taste test, and they just be like, you know what? Uh, I actually got to be somewhere right now. <laughs> so like, uh, you look good. Uh, <laughs> we can pick this back up uh, another time. <laughs> Always good seeing you, Frank. <laughs> So the White Sox swept the Astros in the World Series. Only in those four games, only two starting pitchers got wins in the series for the White Sox. Do you know who those two wins were from? They're two starting pitchers. I have no idea, but I'll take a guess. Freddie Garcia. Freddie Garcia was one of them. And How does a gate Freddie Garcia? All right. I mean, it's right. So. Well, you wouldn't ask the question if it was Mark Burley and John Garland. Actually, it might be John Garland. No. <laughs> Fidel Duque? When I wrote the question... Fidel Duque I, didn't pitch. That was the fifth starter. Yeah. Sorry, when I wrote the question, I immediately typed Mark Burley and... And I went, really? And I backspaced. 
So Mark Burley did not get a win, but correct. We already insinuated that. If I'm asking the question, that could have been that obvious. I'm gonna say. I mean, we're down. Yeah, we're we're down to Garland and Contreras. I'm gonna say it was Garland. Give Johnny Gar. It was Garcia and Garland. Garcia and Garland. Garcia and Jose. Damn. It was Jose Contreras. I got it down to a 50-50. I'm impressed with that. I was probably going to just give it to you because of the immediate response of, oh, Freddie Garcia and what? <laughs> I don't even know if Freddie Garcia, if you asked him this question, he'd probably be like, oh, it was definitely Mark, uh, definitely John. <laughs> like one of those was yours, Freddie. He's like, no shit. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. I pawned my World Series ring 20 years ago. So, Actually, I don't know your life, Freddie. If you're listening, I'm sorry. We're down to 999 fans, man. Look what you did. Well, I, I think that was that that quick because he pitched game four. He was the fourth starter, right? So I think that's uh, yeah. that. It was probably, yeah. If they won the, I think they won one nothing. Yeah. It was, he probably like, won it was deep. Close game. Yeah. So this one should be fairly easy if you are already rolling Freddie Garcia, you know, off the tongue. Who was the closer for the White Sox? Who was the closer? Yeah, who was the closer for the 2005 Chicago White Sox? We had two of them. But in the and who, who was the closer in the World Series, I guess? Bobby Jenks. Bobby Jenks. Bobby Jenks also played for the Red Sox? Was that after you guys or before? Or not at all? I don't know. He seemed like he would like uh, enjoy playing for both Sox teams and then riding off into the sunset. But I don't know. I'm trying to remember who the other closer was right now for bonus points. Don't tell me if you know it. Um, I do not know. Oh, Dustin Hermanson. <laughs> <laughs> Good old Dustin. Dustin, if you're listening, you're welcome. <laughs> Probably just made two cents. Or however royalties are. Don't you remember? Don't you remember the Ozzy Guillen, like the big guy? Remember he did he did this? Yeah. For Jenks, because there's there we had. Jenks was the closer. He became the closer, but as the big guy, and the other guy was this. This is the other guy. <laughs> or Dusty. Bobby Jenks. We'll be back. Talk Harrelson, the announcer. Yeah, right. Because he's like a thousand years old. Oh, yeah. Mercy. Hawk Harrelson always to me. Hawk Harrelson was the announcer when um, uh, Tony La Russa was the manager for the first time. <laughs> and then he went and then he became GM and then immediately fired him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back. <laughs> Sit back, relax, and strap it down. Me and Billy. Um roommate billy me and matt were both roommates with billy um we were watching a i think it was a white Sox game they went into like the 14th inning and hawk harrelson hadn't said a word for about three and a half innings <laughs> and billy turned to me and goes i think he fell asleep he definitely fell asleep and i said bill he probably just went home and billy was like no nah, he definitely fell asleep <laughs> no no but then you remember he came back with a vengeance <laughs> and there's ball too <laughs> See, well, he's up. He's up. The equivalent of farting yourself awake. 
that ball alone outside. <laughs> Probably scared the crap out of whoever was sitting next to him. I was like, oh, my God. Hawk, we had a sign on your chest that said, don't wake him. <laughs> I think it, that was Steve Stone at the time. Not what? during the series, but. Was the Stone Pony? It was the Stone Pony. Look out. Stone Pony. <laughs> Probably one of the greatest nicknames of all time. Stone Pony? <laughs> Get, I mean, given to, I don't think it was, I don't even think it was his nickname while he was playing. I'm pretty sure Hawk Harrelson is the only person. That was probably call- like, a, like a day one, like, I'm going to forget this man's name. He probably shook his hand and was like, Stone Pony. <laughs> and it, it just stuck. I wouldn't put it past Hawk Harrelson being like, oh, I don't remember this man. Uh, Steve Stone, 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 Stone Pony. <laughs> okay. If you told him his first name was Steve, Hawk Harrelson would probably call you a liar. His first name is Stone. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be back. (laughs) Oh, man. Here's a a difficult one. If any of them have been difficult. Who is the starting eight for game four of the World Series? So, obviously, they were in Houston. So, there was... no DH. No Carl Everett. <laughs> unless, playing, unless he was playing. All right. So ooh, this is this is all right. AJ. AJ Przinsky. I'll give you the starting nine, Freddie. Okay. Freddie Garcia, famously, won game four of the 05 World Series. All right, let's just go around the diamond now. One, two, three. Let's go. One, two, three is Canerco. Yeah. Canerco. Four is Tadahito Aguchi. Correct. Now five, Joe Creedy. Five was Creedy. Six, Juan Uribe. Juan Uribe at shortstop. Seven, that's left field, right? Mm-hmm. Seven is hmm. seven is Scott Sednik. Correct. Aaron Rowan. Aaron Rowan in center. Jermaine Dyan, right? Jermaine Dye. That. See, it's, it's hard to think of Pacetic as a left fielder there, too, because he played center for so long, too. I thought it was going to trip me up. No Carl Everett. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Who was the DH in the World Series? That's not a question, but if there, was, if there was no Frank Thomas, who were they using as a DH? Carl Everett. Oh. I'm pretty sure. That's what I remember, at least. Yeah, Probably. I mean, I was 13 and baseball ended in September that year. So, as, as it does most years. I don't know who else would have. It wasn't Willie Harris. I'm trying to think of other names on that team. Jeff Blum. Definitely not Jeff Blum. So 2005, other than. How much... Oh, go ahead. I don't think I could go any deeper than that. I think it's as deep as I can go. I think I got two players off the bench. <laughs> I think that's it. So the last time the White Sox were in the World Series. Obviously 2005 and then miscellaneous, you know, forward. 
Could be 21, could be 22, could be never. Huh. They're one in three, so not really uh, tearing the cover off the ball these days. Last time the Sox were in the World Series prior to 2005 was what year? 1959. 1959. And they lost 4-2 to the Los Angeles Dodgers. Was it the uh, Dodgers? It was our buddy Tommy Lasorda on that team. <laughs> it comes full circle. Fans, if you're listening, me and Matt in the heart of Charleston, Illinois. Matt and I. Met, Matt and I met Tommy Lasorda. And you can't convince us otherwise. Not sure. I'm pretty sure he said his name and it wasn't Tommy. But we, he, we didn't say Tommy. He, he was lying. He said Tom. His name was Tom. Oh, well, this is just perfect then. I was like... 100% his name was Tom, but... Was he wearing a Dodgers jersey? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was in in the full get-up. Cleats and all. Wasn't he in, like, the, like, Dodger, like, Letterman jacket? The blue one with the gray sleeves? I remember him in a white and blue polo. He was white and blue. I mean, Dodger colors. This is looking real good for us. His name was Tom, white and blue polo. Tommy Lasorda famously loves Charleston, Illinois. Um, Any listeners out there who can confirm <laughs> that Tommy Lasorda was in Charleston, Illinois at some point in his life. It do, we don't want to know anymore. It was for a poker game, I believe. Did he not say he was in town for a poker game? I feel like this story has evolved so much between you and I telling it. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what's true and what's not anymore, but... I, we really do need a listener. You can tweet at tweet at one of us. Oh, man. Just, we just need somebody to confirm that at some point in his life, Tom Lasorda was in Charleston, Illinois. I don't want to know any more details. Yeah, don't tell us the year. Don't tell us. Nope, nope, nope. I just need to no. know that. If it's yes, I'll die happy. <laughs> that's, that's, all that's all I need to know. At Lenny Arquilla. I'm on I'm on Twitter more than Matt is, but way more. I'm the real Matt Broach. Not to be confused with. There's a fake one out there who says he didn't meet Tommy Lasorda. See, this this was I knew I was going to be famous at some point, and this podcast is clearly going to put me straight to the top of the famous list. <laughs> I think that's what they call it, right? The famous. Yeah, you're just looking for that authentic blue check mark. I knew that there was going to be a bunch of fakes out there i just had to get the real matt broached in nice and early i only know two lens in my in my life it's my dad and len casper and i don't talk to len casper nearly as much as i used to but so i don't need to have a a, the real lenny arquilla it's just at lenny arquilla somebody wants to steal it that's their problem i'm not very exciting you're taking on a persona that you're not ready for (laughs) I'm pretty sure my last tweet was in 2013. So <laughs> I tweet you a couple of times just just to keep the account active, so it rolls over. If they, oh, I'm pretty sure every, every 60 days, and they're like, "Oh no, somebody tweeted him." Without looking, I would think my last tweet was trying to get OtterBox to send me a code so I could get a replacement <laughs> for my 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 phone case. I'm pretty sure. Oh man, uh, let's see. You, your real Matt Broach? The real Matt Broach. 
the real stuff, not even just actually maybe it is just real map roach, but the real sounds more like something I would do. Let's see. You talking about at Matthew Broach? What? That's not it. Is this is this not you? That's it. What? Nice try, liar. <laughs> Wait, is that my Instagram then? The real map approach? Yeah, your Instagram is the real map approach. Oh. The last time you sent out a tweet. Okay, my hashtag outer box is really broken now. <laughs> <laughs> That was on May 2nd, 2013. <laughs> that, was the, that was the way to get the Otterbox to give you the code to get a free one back in the day. And then you send pictures. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Wait, it was 2013? Yeah. Nailed that. Nailed that. I nailed everything but my actual Twitter handle. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. It was May 2nd, you know 2013. Is it too late to switch it? I'm going to switch it. The I mean, real approach. I don't no, know. I, like, I probably have to like make a whole new one. Yeah. Maybe I should. Maybe we should just chalk that one up to uh I don't know. We gave it the old college try. <laughs> Speaking of college, you know who we saw in college? Tommy Lasorda. <laughs> Not to be confused with Tony LaRusso. There are two different people. I uh, I get that confused when I try to tell stories. Are they, though? Uh, no. One of them wants to be our friend. The other Hold one... Hold on. How old is Joe Madden? 70, 70s? Yes. Like 72. Okay. I was watching. So, obviously, the White Sox played the Angels. Right. If, if I could... We actually got to look this up. How old is... Joe, Joe Madden is 67. I lied to you. 67. Okay. I thought he was 72. Or 70 also. I think, his, I think his number, his jersey number when he was at the Cubs was 70. That's probably why I was thinking he's at least. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Okay, that makes way more sense then because I was like, I'm pretty sure he's in his 70s and I remember him being in his 70s. Is it, oh, you know what? Is it Pete Carroll who's in his 70s? Maybe they're like, they got similar vibes. Tony Russo is 76 years old. Right, that's what I, well, that's what I was going to say is like, if Joe Mann's in his 70s, I mean, he's close, but Tony LaRusso looks ancient. Like he looks <laughs> so old. And not to say he's not like skin starting to be pulled towards the underworld old. <laughs> I mean, it's it's been going on for years. Yeah. It's just like he's got like that old man, like like his his proportions, like he's got obviously he's got like old man belly, and it's like but he <laughs> plays worn like the same belt size for like the last 35 years. So the fat's just kind of like worked itself, like it's morphed to places that the belt doesn't hold it in. And I'm like the, the like rich fat guy, and my like chest is constantly like bronze, and I go swimming and swim trunks that are too small. <laughs> but I'm rich and I don't care. My stomach is, you know, protruding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he's 76, and who good for him? Hey, if, if yeah, I manager if of a major league baseball team. If I apply for a job and get it at 76, I'm gonna be ecstatic, man. Exactly. I said that for anybody else that applied was like you, you let this in whole fact, teach you. He might not. I mean, obviously, apply is not the right word, but he they probably called him. <laughs> They're probably like, "Yo, <laughs> hey, Mrs. Larusa, can you like, wait? like who can we call that definitely never had a Twitter account? We don't have to research. 
we don't have to see who he tweeted at three in the morning and it was derogatory just like uh, this man might not own a computer so it makes it does make sense that they didn't do any research because the dui came out the same day right. <laughs> he got announced as manager <laughs> like, uh, is there anything we should know about uh no just looking to play baseball <laughs> uh nothing uh, in particular nope just here to play uh play baseball you're here to manage baseball sure <laughs> i could do that it's like oh thank god i thought you guys were gonna make me play <laughs> good old good old tony not to be confused right. with our best friend tommy you got any other uh, questions for me no so i i asked you 10 questions you answered 12 which is very frustrating the two that I didn't ask you, you also got right. So if you're looking for your free T-shirt, I'm pretty sure you, you, you've you made your way to a free T-shirt. All right, cool. But, uh, uh, yeah, so don't follow the real Matt Broach on Twitter because that is not you. Nope. There is another Matt Broach. He like, lives in Virginia. Has he tweeted later or earlier than 2013 because maybe they should follow him he's probably a better follow <laughs> he's definitely a better follow oh man he's but pictures of his crops or something whatever you do in virginia i don't I have no I, I should just get rid of it it's honestly cooler to say like i just don't have twitter right not that or, or you know what's better is it that i last time i tweeted was 2013 to a phone case company <laughs> or that i think the, the further it gets away from 2013 the funnier it is that you remember your last tweet was trying to get Otterbox to send you a free one. That's fair. All right. I'll keep it going. So don't no. follow Matt because that's a waste of time. You can follow me at Lenny Arquilla, A-R-Q-U-I-L-A. I have to spell it all day. But uh, yeah, so this is episode three. It's probably our, our best yet. It's the one without my dad. He's not going to be happy about it. But when he plays it while mowing the lawn or whatever dads do, he's going to find out that uh, he's been replaced. So he also doesn't have a Twitter. So <laughs> no worries there. Uh, but but I'm Lenny. He's Matt. Uh, we're getting the heck out of here. We'll talk to you guys later. Thanks yeah. for listening.